Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you on the Brooklyn Bunker on this uh, New Year's Eve with some special content for you about this new product I'm very excited about, whose idea is to help you do a better job predicting the pace of races and helping incorporate pace analysis into your handicapping and no better person to bring on than uh, one of the people behind this new product, which is called Thorough Pace, and a person who you're probably familiar with if you're an In The Money Plus person, because he's basically the editor over at In The Money Plus. He is Tyler Wisman. Tyler, how are things? Doing well, Pete. Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, tell folks, first and foremost, we'll do this at the beginning and at the end, but the, the, the key information, how the accounts at Thorough Pace are working right now and where one can go to get them. Yeah, so if you want to go to inthemoneypodcast.com slash thoroughpace, um, so the spelling should be on the screen here. And for those of you that are listening after the fact, T-H-O-R-O-P-A-C-E, so thoroughpace in this case. If you go to that link, you can sign up for a free account. And right now we've been giving away for the past couple of months um, all of our you know premium race analytics tools and plan to do so for probably at least a, another month and then then hopefully we'll be through our, our beta launch we're going to talk through today kind of the new visual behind our our pr product if you will um and really hoping you know if you're watching this on youtube uh either during the the live stream or after if you have any comments feel free to, to drop it in here um would love some feedback on how this is displayed visually because it is a slight break from what we've been doing for the the past couple of months the information is you know, unchanged, if you will, but the the presentation is slightly changed and hopefully more useful to the, the end user. Looked a little more user friendly to me in my in my looks through. I, I'm you know, I look at so much stuff. I, I am very excited. My goal is to make this the place that I start with my with my handicapping in in 2023. And I was really just personally looking forward to sitting down with you and having you explain to me one of these conversations uh, I'd want to have off air anyway. And that's what we're going to do right now. If you're listening, this part won't do you any good, but we'll, you know, we'll try to talk this through in a way that if you're just listening, you can still get something out of it. But if you want to see these visuals, head over to the In The Money Media YouTube channel and you'll see right there on the screen now, I have po popped in uh, the thorough pace analysis of Fairgrounds Race six for today and tyler i just want you to talk us through what we're seeing there's a lot of information on screen right now it's color-coded there's some highlighted um text that is uh leaping off the page at viewers but wh where do you want us to to start in terms of explaining the therapist product to the in the money audience yeah so and and, and just to take a step back to we're, we're today we're you know, not going to necessarily cover a pick four or pick five or pick six sequence. Just going to kind of jump around. And I think there's a few races today that, that do a good job of explaining how one might use the thorough pace product to, you know, in, incorporate into their handicapping process and really no better race than fairgrounds race six. And just to, to orient um, those of you that are, are watching live. So if you look at the, the stripe kind of in the middle of the page here, the visual, we see fairgrounds race six, we see a pace forecast and a reminder that, our pace forecast is a 70 point scale um, to the far left of that scale it would be minus 35. And those will be races that very much favor speed um, horses to the very far right. It would be a plus 35 and you would be looking for stretch runners in that case. Um, so you can see in this race, we have a, a minus 9.7. So technically, you know, that's going to be considered a, a neutral forecast. But 
if you look down at some of the runners, um, I'm actually going to jump to the far right of the screen. You can see, you know, plus 11, minus 10, plus 7, plus 43. Those numbers are the individual pace points that are, you know, how we arrive at our pace forecast. I'm not going to go into the methodology, although it will come up later, that we do look at the past two years of racing um, results, if you will, but we have a greater emphasis compared to, say, Timeform U.S., at least I believe so, on the last two races. And there there will be one horse that I want to mention and kind of call out, you know, not to get too much into the weeds and methodology, but, you know, why there could be differences in, in some products versus the others. And so with this race, there's also, you know, you can see kind of in the, the middle column there, it's, it's to the left, right? You see right under the minus 9.7, that's the last race. And then to the right of that, you see the race two back. And so we're really trying to provide you the actual pace results from these runners in their past two races. And if you see, you know, in the, the case of number four, um, Global Sensation, you see two green boxes. Essentially what that means is this is um, a speed runner that was in a very fast paced race in both of you know the, the last two races. They're green boxes because of that, because they were actually paced disadvantaged. Um, and then comparatively, when you look at you know the, the six horse here, you see a red box around it where they were in a, a stretch runner favoring race. They were in the rear of the race, but did not perform you know at a level that that would you know, justify an upgrade, if you will. And so with, with that in mind, the, the red box, and again, the, the four and the six in this case, um, you know, Guntown and Global Sensation coming out of the, the same race, um, you know, with Global Sensation being the leader of the race in a fast-paced race, Guntown towards the rear, you, you know, you're going to see a flip in odds because Guntown uh, did perform well in that race. However, obviously this is where today's pace comes into play, if you will. And that minus 9.7 um, to me, global sensation is a very strong play out of this race. Um, and the, the reason why is because the minus 9.7 in general would say, although neutral, I'm looking for a speed or horses that are close to the lead. You can see there's not much other speed in this race. The number three horse Kapuna is going to be a, a very heavy favorite. I would say this race actually happens after the Mr. Prospector in which Seal Beach, who won the Kapuna race, comes out of. I happen to like that race or, or that horse in, in that race. So I'm actually hoping Seal Beach runs well for a, a number of reasons. Um, but one of the reasons is because I do think that it will decrease the, the price on Kapuna, which obviously will make global sensation controlling speed um, in a much favorable scenario today. Let's talk about these numbers over at the far right a little bit more. Is there any signal, if you were just glancing down, would you notice, you know, this plus 43 number with the closest next uh, being a, a plus 11? Do you, do you glean anything from, from, from that just on its own? It, exactly, yeah. So that, that tells me that, you know, the number four horse in this case, um, you know, it, it's always we're, we're trying to use objective data to figure out what humans and horses are are going to do, but the, the data would say that the number four, um, you know, global sensation in this case is, is you know, quite loose as, as we would say, right? So, um, you know, it, it's not, it's not at least easy for me to convert that into a number of links, if you will, if that's what you're asking about, but clearly the, the separation of plus 43 and the next closest being plus 11, um, you know, that that's actually a pretty strong signal. And, and then conversely, you know, you see the number three horse, which is the the next horse in terms of speed points, that, that horse was actually in a slow paced race and towards the rear. 
um, but still has positive overall speed points. And so that tells me, you know, a number of things. This horse is clearly, you know, perhaps some would, would say I need the lead type and clearly looks like he's going to get the lead today. So um, this is a, a very strong signal for me. And, and in a race that he's obviously not going to be the favorite, um, you know, Kapuna might just be that good in this case because the, the figures are quite well. Um, but it's likely that Guntown actually is the second choice in this race. And that leaves the four global sensation as the third choice um, in very favorable conditions. So for me, you know, the, the, the way that I will look to play this race is, at anything, the morning line, I think, is the horse global sensation is four to one. You know, that's a definite win bet for me. It might save under Kapuna if he is just that good, um, you know, assuming that he can hang on for second with the small exact to saber. Let's talk about the scale of these numbers. You mentioned before about when you're evaluating a race going from the most speed favoring minus 35, the most stretch runner favoring plus 35. What is the scale that this number's on that we come up with a plus uh, 43? Yeah, and, and you will see numbers that go outside the plus 35 range, and that's just for the individual horses. So, um, you know, th there are horses that will have plus 40s, plus 50s. Um, so it, it's not as confined as our pace forecast, if you will. Um, so it's not the same 70-point scale. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll find a, a few other examples where there are horses with fairly high or, or you know, I will say you, you don't really see – highly negative numbers if that makes sense so you know you're not going to see a, a minus 43 you can you can only be so far back if that makes sense it does and then one other thing i just wanted to talk about in terms of the numbers on the screen these uh top thoroughpace figs in the upper right hand corner i'm assuming these numbers which in this race are three four and one correlate to these ratings next to the horses um over on the far left of the screen. Am I, am I guessing that right? And, and what kind of sense can you give me about what these numbers mean? They do. And so I, I think that the, the way, and if, if listeners are familiar with your concept and Mike Maloney's of an ability figure, this is kind of what we're shooting for here. It's kind of a proprietary um, figure that we've come up with. I don't want to spend too much time on it because to, for me and my handicapping, the best use for this thorough pace figure that I've found so far is you know this concept of cheap speed right where if let's just say that number four global sensation had you know the numbers that he has otherwise but i look over and i see that his um, thorough pace figure is like a 42 right and so that to me just says you know it, it's very likely that he gets the lead but also folds after four or five furlongs right so for me it's a, a way to quickly put some of this into to context you know again the, the whole idea behind this is so that you can quickly scan races see where there are pace extremes or, you know, horses that are getting much more favorable setups doesn't necessarily have to be an, an extreme. And again, we'll talk through some of those situations later. Um, but that's kind of where and how I'm, I'm using it to date. Um, so I don't want to get, get um, you know, too far in the weeds as to what that is. Sure. And, and we'll further, you know, refine what we're going to do with the thorough pace figure um, as we go forward as well. Very cool. But yeah, I get that idea of let's separate the pop and stop from the, the true yeah. uh, potential long shot contender in terms of wire to wire. I mean, one of the reasons I'm so excited by Therapace, you know, when I was doing all that work with handicapping contests for, for DRF back in the day, one thing that came very, very clear is that for cap horses, you know, for those horses paying 20 to one and better, an inordinate amount of them came from either wire to wire or pace collapse. And I think this product is going to be a great way to maybe try to get a little bit of an edge in identifying those type of situations. Let's move on, Tyler, to the next race we want to talk about. Where are we heading next? Let's go to Gulfstream Park race six. 
All right, Gulfstream Race 6. You see here we get the printout. It's going in alpha order. We've got, got info for all the tracks on it. It's an amazing amount of data. Um, and I'm feeling, you know, like I've learned a lot already in the show. Really curious to hear our thoughts on Gulfstream Race 6. We see the number in the middle, plus 5.2, suggesting a, uh, a fairly neutral pace flow. What do, you, uh, what do you want us to be looking at here? So I think that, you know, this is the Rampart Stakes, and I wanted to speak through a couple of the stakes races at Gulfstream Park. A few of them are interesting. I would say that this is not all that interesting. There's not a lot to go on from a thorough pace perspective here. It is a neutral forecast, so plus 5.2. Um, so there's really nothing clever from a thorough pace perspective that I would recommend, excuse me, from, from that. You know, my own handicapping is, okay, I, I see this, and it's part of a sequence that I know I want to play, then I'm kind of resorting back to, okay, how are these horses stacking up from speed figure perspective, right? So, you know, I, I looked at thorough, thorough graph, looked at the DRF numbers as well, kind of trips for these horses. And, you know, a couple of things that I would say is that I, I feel like personally the number three, Soul of an Angel, um, you know, I, I ran a big new top in the last race and there's a good chance that the horse might react and, and go backwards. But, you know, there, there's also a, a chance that it, it marches right on forward, right? So the, the trainer's doing okay. So to me, that would be kind of a long shot worth considering. Um, I would also say that number seven, Mary Quite and Cherries, looks like a horse for course. Um, working well and, and might get uh, more pace than the horses had in the, the last couple. So um, you can see there that in the, the last race, stock pace, it wasn't that far behind, but does have some some finishing kick to her in that minus 32 in the last race. You know, that's about as slow a pace as um, you, know, you can, can have. And therefore, uh, any horse that's trying to make up ground is going to be disadvantaged. And even though we have a neutral setting here, obviously, that's a lot more you know, stretch runner favoring than the previous race this horse comes out of. So I think number seven will be tough. And the number three, uh, soul of an angel uh, might use underneath. Just in terms of looking at the, 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 the third pace product and what it suggests about who might get the lead. Do you, do you feel like uh, music city stars, the most likely leader today in this race? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so in our old iteration, we used to say the most likely leader, um, and that was pulled directly from those pace points to the far right. So that's a good point. So as you can see here with the plus 15, the Music City star um, is likely to inherit the lead um, in, in this race. And so there's, there's not a, a clear advantage. Um, you know, there there is some other horses that at least have, have shown, um, you know, the, the ability to at least stock the pace. Um, so we'll see. And, and some of this can come down to in, in these neutral settings, how aggressive the jockeys are and how intent they are in getting the lead. So, um, you know, in, in that situation, it's hard to make a, a true objective case for, you know, one horse being loose, but, you know, theoretically the number eight horse, if, if uh, also from the gate could, could get, you know, an, an easy lead. It is tricky though, because yeah, the, the post position comes into effect. And of course, and like you said, the riders, you'd have to, you'd have to study it on a, on a deeper level, I think, to make your real best guess of what you might see in Gulfstream race six. What, where should we head next? Let's just go down the, to the next race. So Gulfstream park race seven. So we've got a turf race here. So 10 runners in this race and you see the plus 24.6. Uh, so for me, I'm, I'm looking for runners that are, most likely coming from off the pace. Um, I did want to spend a minute on the number one horse, Scottish star. Uh, so you see that red box around the race two back and, you know, you see stock pace um, in a, a plus 35 and like, how are we downgrading that horse? And, and it's, it's actually has to do with the proximity of this actual horse to the leader. And so if you look at that, um, you know, there was a kind of a runoff in that Saratoga race and the Vizian sunrise who at that point was like, 
depending on the call, five to 10 links in front. So, you know, yes, technically speaking, it was in second position throughout the race. And, you know, you may look at that and say, well, wow, they were in second position on a very fast pace, but it actually has to do with the number of links back. All that being said, you can also see that the plus 36 makes this horse probably the leader of the race. Um, but overall, the race gets a 24.6 forecast, uh, which has me looking for, at least for the most part, for stretch runners. Right. And so with that, I think that, um, you know, a, a one logical alternative, and a, although another horse that has speed would be the number three base storm, I'm actually going to fade in my own wagering the number one and the number three, the number three more so just because it's coming from an ice cold barn. Um, and I, I just don't see a trip in, in which the, the number three base storm could win. Um, I will say the number five horse is a long shot. I might consider underneath it's, you know, the form, um, although not a young horse and relatively exposed, appears to never be better and, and is actually working well coming into this as well. Um, but my top pick here would be number seven, Stolen Holiday. So this horse has actually been in a bunch of paceless races. Um, you can see the, the race two back, um, you know, is actually disadvantaged because he was the leader in a um you know, a very speed favoring race, right. Which is not necessarily, at least in my mind, what this horse wants to do. And so I think when you have this, probably the fastest pace this horse has ever gotten into, um, to me, I think if they kind of take back a little with this horse um, and are actually, you know, run it for a, a finish down the lane, I actually think this sets up quite well for, you know, the Shug Barn, which has done quite well in limited starts thus far at the Gulfstream meet. So um, I'm actually looking for if the morning line holds, uh, this would be a, a horse that I would be willing to make a, a win place rate wager on um, in this spot. I think that's a good point you make, you know, it's, it's not one size fits all in theory, this two, this two races back for stolen holiday would be a downgrade, but you got to look in the PPs and this is where, you know, third place, third place is not supposed to be a one-stop shop. You got to look through the PPs and you got to see like, maybe this horse just wants to come from off the piece. Yes. Usually almost always. I mean, honestly, 80% of the time, I'm going to see that and think downgrade, but you know, if it's a horse that you can very logically make a case is better as a holdup horse, I, I wouldn't hold it against a stolen holiday at all. I just think that's an, that's an interesting observation of how, you know, you still, this isn't the thorough pace, isn't a tool. It, it, it is a, a true handicapping tool. It is not supposed to be a one-stop shop for answers. And I think that's a point worth pausing on. Yep. Uh, where shall we go next? Let's go to the next race. So we'll go to Gulfstream Park, Race Park 8. We mentioned this uh, race a little bit earlier. So it's the Mr. Prospector Stakes, another race that um, this is as fast as the pace can get, right? And so there are a number of horses, as you might imagine, an elongated sprint race here on the dirt. Uh, a lot of horses that want to be forward. So the plus 35, um, you know, one horse that I actually want to mention is the number eight, Uncle Ernie. Um, this horse I'm, I'm going to actually be very much against. It's six to one, I think, on the morning line, but it does lure um, IRAD. And so I'm, I'm actually hoping this horse takes a little bit more money. You can see there that based on the, the pace forecast, it, it's, it's expected to get the lead, but really has never had pressure like this horse is going to have before. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that IRAD makes this horse take money and I would be absolutely against this horse on the win ends coming out of two races where, um, you know, their parks races, the figures are monstrous on um, Thoroughgraph and whatever service you use, you know, there is a figure edge here. Um, that being said, uh, I'm always a little bit leery about the reproducibility of those figures. And, you know, again, they were earned on basically the most, um, you know, speed favoring pace that, that one might have for a horse that was on the lead. You know, I, I'm going to downgrade that horse quite considerably, hoping others do not, um, you know, there's a, a couple of horses that I'm interested in in this race. I mentioned the number 12 seal beach and 
you know, this is a, a horse that I think actually, um, although the, the pace was, you know, kind of blue, if you will, a little bit neutral, if not speed favoring in the last, comes out of that same race as Capuna, a horse we talked about uh, earlier. But I actually think this horse, if you look at the how that race um you know, basically materialized. Kapuna came from 10th in that race. Seal Beach was basically second throughout um, and, and kind of did all the dirty work, if you will. Um, I, I, I think that this horse um, could continue to march forward. Um, it's the Mike Maker Barn. I'm not concerned about the post given this trip, um, you know, plenty of, of run to the turn. So I, I am kind of high on the number 12 Seal Beach. And then another horse that I think, um, you know, really could be a, an underneath key, if you will, would be No K No, the number 10 horse who overcame the stocking position in a, snow pl- a slow-paced race. Um, and I really think that this horse is going to be a massive price. And, you know, it's just one that is going to get a little bit better setup than the horse got um, in, the, in the last race. And a horse that I think, um, you know, could could improve for a barn that, you know, can be sneaky at times for sure. So I'm going to use the number 12 uh, pretty prominently, and then I'm going to use the 10 underneath. Let's talk about this plus 35 again. You mentioned that's a, about as uh, speedy as it gets. And again, we don't need to get into exactly how the sausage is made here, but I do want to know what other factors beyond um, just these raw numbers over here to the far right go into making that. Does it, the more horses that have positive numbers in a race, does that push this forward? What other kinds of things are you using to determine this? very important uh, prediction at the top for today's pace. Yeah. So essentially you see the pace points that are there and definitely the more red that you see in that case, which indicates, you know, horses that are, are speed horses, if you will. Um, certainly that's going to increase the the overall pace forecast number, but then also the number of horses in a race. So I think there's a horse that we're a race that we'll talk about, um, you know, in, in a second that has mostly blue numbers, but because of the field size, um, you know, it's it's still going to be a fairly fast pace. And that, that actually the next race is a fairly good example of that. If you want to move yep. to that, there are, you know, two confirmed speed horses in the race. But, you know, overall, the rest of them have blue numbers. But part of that is due to field size. I will say that, you know, when you're looking at sort of red paste forecasts, if you will. So anything in that plus you want to actually you know pay attention to scratches, because obviously as horses come out, you know, you're going to potentially lose some of those pace points, if you will. Um, and the, the, the overall pace forecast might be reduced. One thing that I will note too, is in the race nine there, you can see the number 13 decorated invader who's on the AE list. He actually is contributing to the pace forecast. So we haven't figured out a way to limit to just the body of the race yet. So basically we pull in the AEs um, in some cases, you know, in the case of um, decorated invader, it's basically the, he's going to be buying for last. So it's unlikely to impact um, outside of just the actual sheer number of horses to any great extent. That said, again, let's just say hypothetically that number eight went from within scratch from golf stream park race nine. Clearly that would be a significant reduction in the overall pace points of the race. And you'd probably see that move down, um, you know, into a, a slightly different bucket. So. Yeah, it might might. I mean, just to, to state the obvious would make a, a runner like street ready look a lot more dangerous. Right. Yep, exactly. And so I, I do I do want to actually spend a minute on street ready. Right. Because I think if you um, and, and again, um, you know, I, I've learned so much from uh, Craig and the Time Form U.S. Uh, crowd over the years. And if you look on time form us, you will see in Gulfstream park race nine, for instance, you know, you're, you're going to see the number eight win from within being relatively loose. Right. Um, it, however, if you look at our thorough pace uh, projection, you see the number one street ready 
and you see that plus 27, I actually do not believe that number one street ready is going to get the lead. Um, but I do think that he has much more speed than what is shown on the time form scale. And the primary reason why I hinted at this earlier is because although we look at the last two years of running lines, we actually have a greater emphasis on the last two races. And so if you look at this horse's PPs and actually go back to three races, uh, it also coincides with when Saez took over uh, for this horse. The horse basically changed its running style overnight and went from a horse that was kind of mid-pack to, a, you know, arguably a closer to now kind of a dead send horse. Again, I don't think that that horse is necessarily going to get the lead from when from within. I also think that, um, you know, the, the number eight horse drawn outside, clearly I think that horse is on the lead and could be dangerous, quite honestly, um, at a, a fairly big price. A horse that if I were in multis, I would definitely be using. Again, that is the number eight win from within. I actually don't necessarily like um, Street Ready in this spot, um, you know, for, for a number of reasons. Um, but the horse that I, I really wanted to to focus on in, in this race was number three, Pau Alto. Um, you know, exits the the Artie Schiller. I think that, you know, basically your your take on this race is what to do with Colonel Liam and then everybody else. And for me, it's kind of like, I don't know exactly what to do with Colonel Liam. It's hard to be against a horse that's run so well off extended layoffs in the past. Uh, clearly, if he shows up, um, he's adaptable to pretty much any pace scenario. It's a very hard horse to be completely against. Uh, you know, that said, he has been away for whatever, eight or so months now. And so if there is a time to beat, um, knowing that this is a prep for, you know, another target next month, I think that today is the time. And the three horses that exit the the Artie Schiller, so Shadow Finks, um, the number um, three, Palo Alto, and then the the outside horse, I think all three of them were sort of horses that would have benefited from a faster pace. All of them are going to get that in this case. Um, you know, I, I think because of the jockey, if nothing else, the number three Palo Alto is going to be the, the longest price of all three. Um, now drawn inside, he was outside of the number four Shadow Sphinx in that last race. So gets to save theoretically a, a little more ground in this spot. I think it's, you know, could be enough to turn the tables here. Um, so, I, you know, again, I, I'm going to use number three Palo Alto quite heavily um, in, you know, both uh, multis if I decide to play those, but also uh, in vertical wagers as well. And again, just to, to, to point out uh, where we started here, the, the number eight win from within, there's a world in which that horse doesn't stop. Um, it is a, a quite good horse. Um, and again, if, if they're, if they are, you know, a little bit more passive on the one street ready, I think that the, the number eight could lead them for a long way around the, the course. Interesting stuff. Looks like it'll be a, a, a exciting one to see how it plays out. See if the old Colonel Liam shows up quick tangent on this, what I'm going to call a form note here next to number 10 King cause where it just says exits unproductive race. How do you determine that? How many run back? Is it about run backs without a winner? How many before you put that designation? What can you tell us about that? It is, it is, it does have to do with run back. So it, it's going to be, um, you know, there is a minimum number of run backs that we require before we say exits productive or unproductive race. Um, and there are some criteria. So at the bottom of our forms, which we don't have to jump there now because it's not quite there yet. Um, we'll have a couple of things. One is the, the definition of the pace forecast. So, you know, trying to, to tell you what, what is speed favoring versus stretch runner favoring. Um, we'll also have sort of clearly laid out, as you can see there, we're kind of arbitrarily saying leader towards rear, stock pace, press pace, those um, definitions, because they're actually determined by um, links behind various calls, not necessarily, um, you know, position, if that makes sense. So again, we yep. went through that example of where, um, 
you know, the Scottish star was in second. So it's not defined on where they are in the running line. It's where they are positionally, uh, which is an important thing to, to point out. Uh, and then the, the last part will be kind of the, the definition of a, a productive and an unproductive race, as, as we say, it. because, again, it, it d- depends on how many horses have run back. Right. And so, you know, there's a minimum that we require and then it kind of changes depending on how many runbacks there are. So overall, what I could say is that if you look at the runbacks of uh, the number 10 King cause that the horses running out of that race have, have not fared as well in subsequent starts. I mean, that's the simplistic way to describe it. Let's move on. Did you have something for the, the next stakes race at Gulfstream? I did. Um, in, in Gulfstream Park Race 10, uh, it's kind of an interesting race in my mind because the the pace forecast is minus 7.8, which is, again, neutral. So, you know, theoretically, all horses have a, an even shot and should be able to run their race. But the one thing that I want to point out is the number one horse, O'Connor, which looks like it could be any type, right? I mean, that last race was very visually impressive. However, did so, you know, from the rear of the, the field, right? Meaning that the, the horse had some pace to run at, um, a, a little bit of pace, if you will, and was able to, to draw off in convincing fashion and is likely to, to be on the, the back of that a pretty big favorite, but really doesn't get all that much pace here. And, you know, that could be compounded if for whatever reason, the number two, for instance, comes out of this race. You look at number four, Simplification, a horse that um, I've had a hard time figuring out over the past year. These horses, including, um, you know, him and Skippy Longstocking may take more money than they should because they're exiting kind of the triple crown trail. Um, but still that's kind of where I landed, you know, thinking an aggressive ride at simplification uh, back to a track that he had a lot of success on early in his career uh, comes out of a, a race, obviously with a, a much faster pace. So he was mid pack, but thinking if they're aggressive with him today, he might, um, you know, lead them for quite a long way. So if the morning line holds up, simplification might be okay. I don't know that I'm necessarily against O'Connor, but I don't think he gets quite as good a setup as he got in his last race. We see here, and we've seen this before, some of these not applicable, the NA uh, designation. When do those come into play? Why don't you have data for, for some of the races? Most of the time that's going to come into play because it'll be a distance that is not run often enough at the given track, if that makes sense. So, yep. And obviously, you know, we're not going to have data on first-time starters. You'll see NA there. Um, and then the final thing would be if they're overseas races. But for Skippy Longstocking, I believe it has to do with the distance that the previous two races were were run at. Gotcha. gotcha. Or the the it could just be a lack of overall data. But I, again, I, I, I without looking specifically, that that's my guess there. No, I just wanted that overview of when that comes into when that comes yep. into play. Where should the magical mystery tour go next? Yeah, and, and I guess I should say, right, like the, the race 11 closes out things. I don't have anything particularly clever there. Um, you know, I, I think that the number 11 horse gets a faster pace than normal. going to be a very short price. Um, Chad Brown on the outside. I would, would be hard-pressed to be against it. I don't think the horse is, um, you know, necessarily uh, a stone-cold single, but does look pretty formidable. So I don't have much commentary there at all, but I, I thought it was worth at least mentioning since it was going to be um, kind of the – one of the, the the races that keys a lot of the multis on on that on today's card. No, I think that's a, a good a good one to have a note in there on. And yeah, you can see there's even some definitional stuff here at the bottom of the screen, including you know giving you a shortcut to what the bot what the various boxes mean, which I think is yep. great for horses who are pace advantage or pace disadvantage. I like the idea of you know looking back as you look forward when it comes to this stuff. Uh, I think we have a couple more things to look at. We're, we're, yeah, we're let's jump to Santa Anita race one. Okay. 
yeah, we've got stakes action out there. Very nice looking card at uh, at Santa Anita. Folks can read Dean Kepler's analysis on the website. And then uh, Nick and I also went over some thoughts on on these races as well on the late week show. If folks want to check that out. And here we are, Santa Anita race one. Yeah, so so this is a fascinating race. So I, I think you know most people are big fans of the downhill turf course at Santa Anita. Um, there's a couple of horses that I think are very interesting horses getting on this course for the first time. You know, not the least of which is the number ten uh, smooth like straight, where I think the the cutback with his positional speed I think will will serve this horse quite well. Um, you look at the forecast; it's um, you know plus nine point one. So. Definitely not going to shy away from horses that are on the front end here. Um, I do think it will be interesting to see how the number three, Super Ocho, uh, you know, which, again, coming out of a Breeders' Cup race where basically just went out blazing, could do the same thing here. Uh, the number 10, Smooth Like Straight, does like to be on or near the lead. So I think that, you know, there's a world in which this race gets a, a little bit um, fast up front. But, um you know, we'll see how this plays out. So I, I just thought that this was was worth pointing out. As a, it's a fascinating race. There's nothing necessarily telling, um, you know, on figures, on the, regardless of which service you use, number 10, smooth like straight, kind of towers above this field uh, for the most part. But, you know, I, I think that there's a horse, number four, Gregorian Chant, that I, I like a little bit in this spot. Um, Flavian Pratt hasn't necessarily started the meet off that great. Um, out of Santa Anita, but I, I do think that he will fit this horse quite well. Um, I think this horse has enough positional speed, um, doesn't have to necessarily be as far back as he typically is. I'm hoping that the jockey can be the determining factor there. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking that this horse, you know, hopefully drifts up smooth like straight, takes a lot of money and might be worth a, a little bit of a, a, a win bet uh, at, you know, say four or five to one. When you're looking at the Gregorian chant last two races being mid pack and minus 25 and last in minus 17, I mean, that's a pretty significant double upgrade. Wouldn't you say? I, I also think that, uh, and I'm, I'm not looking at past performances and in, in that I, I also think too, that um, is kind of coming out of, uh, shorter races, right? And so the kind of more elongated sprint that um, getting a little bit more distance as well, meaning that I think that the horse has a little bit more positional speed than he's been able to show in the past. But you're, you're exactly right, right? So, um, you know, this, this horse really hasn't had much, if any, pace at all to close into, um, gets a little bit better set up today, theoretically, um, gets kind of that middle post, which I don't think, um, you know, is necessarily an advantage or disadvantage. So again, I, I'm, I'm kind of trusting in uh, the motto to have this horse ready and Pratt to give the ride that I'm, I'm envisioning. And I'm with smooth, like straight, you know, to be clear, I think this is a horse that has a chance to, to really wake up on the downhill, but just looking at this data doesn't strengthen my resolve much. Right. I mean, this is with, with a front runner, coming out uh well he's not always a front runner but with a horse with this much speed coming out of the plus 13 and the plus 18 i mean do you see that more as neutral or more as as downgrade yeah both of those i would consider at least the last kind of more in that neutral range um i actually think if the the horse can sit right off of, of super ocho kind of gets that nice uh you know i, I always uh, for the, the past several years or uh, um kind of always gravitated to those horses in the eight, nine, 10 path um, in this, this configuration. I think that it's, it's unlikely that smooth like straight will have any excuse other than he just wasn't good enough if Gregory and Chant can beat him. So, um, you know, I, I think that those two in an exacta make a lot of sense for me. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think that um, the five horse um, where Sammy, what makes Sammy run? Yeah. What makes Sammy run? 
Um, I, I, I hope that horse takes a little bit of money. Um, definitely likes the, the course, but I, I can see a world in which just facing better um, relative to the, the previous times that the horse has had success over this configuration. So. And one of the things I just want to go over um, in a more basic explanatory way, the difference between the color coding of the num these numbers themselves, for example, that plus 13 for um, smooth like straight, and the difference when you put a box around the number like we have here with uh, Air Force Red. Yeah, so the sixth Air Force Red comes out of a race, and, and this is the actual, not their the forecast, right? So this is, okay, going back and looking, and the race actually got, in, in this case, the, the minus 25.0. That race should favor horses that are on the lead, so speed horses. This horse was actually the leader. So the red box comes into play because it was the leader in a race that favored speed horses and did not perform as well. Or in some cases, it may have performed as well, but they're not going to get that that setup, right? So we would just term that as being pace advantage. So mm -hmm. you have to kind of think in your mind that red is a negative because their previous race in the red box is pace advantageous. Comparatively speaking, if you look at the number 11, which is a horse that is a little bit interesting in this spot, um, you know, you get a green box around it because that last race, they were able to run well despite being pace disadvantaged. Gotcha. And then the numbers in the, the numbers themselves, when they have color around them, which everyone does, it just sort of shows you corresponds to the scale up above just the overall yeah. pace of the race. We're basically going back and putting that, that previous last two races on our forecast scale, right? So there's a forecast that we come up with that, you know, for the race and the runners today. And then there's the ability to convert the past um, paces of the race, if you will, uh, into that same scale. I get it. I think that makes sense, but it is interesting. I'm, I'm surprised a runner like Gregorian chant didn't get the green box, but I guess there's a lot of different criteria that go into that. And obviously we as horse players have the opportunity to make our own upgrades and downgrades beyond the ones that sort of get generated um, automatically by the, by the algorithm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that's where, you know, some of the, the handicapping comes into play. And if I look at Gregorian chant, um, theoretically, again, didn't really have much pace to close into in the uh, the lower stakes, but also just ran third, you know, beating three and a half lengths, right? So had the the horse, it, it's a bit of a subjective, right? Like a, a, there is an objective calculation, if you will, that goes into it. But basically had the horse won, it would have been a clear, you know, green box around it that won despite uh, conditions that were pace disadvantageous. Interesting. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Because to me, sometimes, you know, you're more likely to find the long shot in, in this situation where the horse doesn't, where the horse doesn't win. But, you know, I get it. It's you got to, you got to tell the machine what to do and, and yeah. you got to make some, you got to make some decisions. And the whole point is that, you know, it's really, it's not about, oh, let's bet against these red boxes by road, bet on these green boxes by road. It's just, it's a tool, it's highlighting and, you know, you ultimately make the call. Anything else out at Santa? Um, let's, uh, let's go to race three, actually real quick. Um, there is a, a horse that actually the last time that we talked about this, the number, um, five horse England's Rose. So that, that was a, a horse that we decided was an upgrade. You can see that, um, the, the race two back, if you will, towards the rear in a slow pace race, got a better setup that day before was able to finish second behind Regal Glory and, you know, was a, a, a nice exacta for me and hopefully, you know, a few listeners that no day. Doubt. Um, did that. So we didn't have much luck in the multis that day, but this was one, um, which is, is, is another point that, 
for me personally, uh, this is how Theropace has changed my wagering strategy in general. I'm much more, you know, if I look at my handle, right, like in, in years past, it was all, not exclusively, but much more heavily weighted towards multi-race uh, wagers. And I, I've changed that, you know, probably almost flipped that. Um, and, and part of that is the reason where I feel like I'm able to find horses that are good underneath keys, um, horses that are getting, you know, value. And I think there is one in this race. And so if you look at the forecast, the plus 7.6, that you see here, um, you basically have the exact same situation uh, that England's Rose was coming out of. I think England's Rose is fine right back, fits with this bunch. Um, you know, the number 10 Queen Goddess from the McCarthy Barn uh, might be slightly overbet, but also, you know, stacks up pretty well from a, a figure standpoint. And so if I use those two horses, England's Rose and Queen Goddess, I want to pair them with the number seven closing remarks who actually exits a key race, but also is a stretch runner that gets a, a hotter pace. And so, you know, you look at it on the surface, you see plus 7.6 and that kind of a neutral setting. But again, the horse is coming out of a race that very much favored speed horses, a, a fairly similar situation that England's Rose was coming out of going into her last race. And so for me, I think the number seven closing remarks, um, you know, I think this is a Carla Gaines horse that is, um, you know, for a barn that's been doing okay, will be, you know, have a lot of ground to make up. Um, hopefully it doesn't, uh, you know, can work out a trip, but I, I think this is one that that might get lost in the wagering and, and could offer a little bit of value underneath. It's a great idea. It sounds very, very interesting. What, what kind of price are you expecting on closing remarks? I, I, hopefully double digit odds, um, you know, that I, underneath. So again, I think it all is sort of contingent upon the number 10 queen goddess and how much money that, that she takes. I, I do expect her to be pretty heavily backed. And, you know, the number nine horse always seems to take a little money um, Avenue to France. And then, you know, you have England's Rose who finished second behind grade one winner regal glory. So I'm sure that she'll take a little bit of money as well. So I do think the number seven figures to drift up quite a bit from the, the morning line. And, and hopefully we can get a, a fairly decent price on that one. A very interesting idea. I tried to make Avenue de France on the show with, with Nick, um, who I think will also be a decent price. A, a few fun ways to play around in there. And I certainly think Queen Goddess needs to be respected, but I'm, I'm very much interested in mixing some closing remarks in after our discussion as well. Uh, anything else? Now let's wrap up at Turfway Park race seven. Cause I think this kind of demonstrates, uh, you know, another use of, of um, thorough pace. And I, I think, you know, the only thing that I will finish is Santa Anita race eight, the Las Flores. Uh, I think Samurai Charm will be, you know, a, a very fancy horse, right? I mean, I think that, it, um, you know, the one thing that I will say is I wish that there was a better alternative or we might have spent a, a little bit more time on that. But the the, the horse, uh, it's a Peter Miller horse, Samurai Charm, coming out of the Zia Park races, basically sat right on top of slow pace races in both of those. Um, the, the, the issue that I have is that may be able to do that again, right? Um, so, you know, on the surface, it was a horse that I was looking like I, I might want to very much take on. Uh, the only logical alternative that I came up with in that race, again, St. Anita Race 8 was the number five, um, Anacapa, I, I assume. Uh, but, you know, I, not a strong opinion. So I just did want to mention that if you're playing late St. Anita, the Samurai Charm might be a, a, a vulnerable favorite that you can take on um, just based on the, the pace alone. And so, you know, 
we wanted to, to round out our discussion today by going to Turfway Park, race number seven. Um, so it's a, a listed stakes race kind of here in my backyard um, in Florence. And, you know, you can see the pace forecast plus 35. Obviously, part of that driven by the fact that there are 14 runners. Again, the, the outside two horses um, don't really contribute greatly to that. But again, since it is driven by field size, it is contributing some. So this is a race that you'd want to check back and, and look um, in terms of um, – scratches and how that might impact the forecast. I, I think you made the point earlier, right? It's not just as simple as looking for green boxes and red boxes. And this is a great reason why, right? This horse or this race, I think, puts those ideas into context, if you will. So if you look at the the number two horse, you can see there that they are were the leader in a race with a plus 32 pace. On the surface, you know, you would say, well, they were disadvantaged. Perhaps they're going to be upgrade. But then, you know, you look at today's forecast and again, you're it's the same situation. So they may not be able to overcome that. The same exact thing for the number seven, uh, Baytown Lovely, led in a plus 28.0 race. So same exact thing. On the surface, I may be willing to give them extra credit, but they're kind of in that same situation. And then the the final thing is the, the 13, you say, again, the same exact thing. So I wanted to bring up this race because of that fact, not necessarily that I had a, a strong opinion um, in this race, but it's more so because you have to look at the, if you're going to focus on the green or red boxes, it all is contextualized with what the forecast is for today's race. Yeah. So uh, something to keep in mind. Now, let's just hypothetically say that a couple of these horses scratch out. We come back later and the race is a plus 12.8, you know, then I might be much more willing to be, um, you know, considerative of some of those horses that have those green boxes as leaders coming out of uh, fast paced races, um, if that makes sense. So yeah. in terms of actually handicapping the race, I think that the number four sassy and bold, um, you know, it's just a barn that has been unbelievably hot at the meet. So um, a horse that I would, I would definitely use in, in this spot figures to take quite a bit of money. I do imagine that the number six, whatchamacallit, will be, um, you know, a, kind of a speed horse that actually takes quite a bit of money. Um, and likely goes off as the the favorite, perhaps a, a fairly short favorite, does have a figure edge, it would appear, on this field, but doesn't have to win. Um, and so, you know, for my money, the way that I would play this race is probably key number four, Sassy and Bold, with a couple of outside horses, and number 10, Ruby Fu, and the number um, 11, Lilies for Millie. So they're, they're, the, both of those horses are not necessarily a, a strong pace play necessarily i do think that both of them are going to be towards the rear and are going to get a, a better setup than they have um at, at least for the the number 10 horse in their last so again the way that i would play this race um i didn't really like any of the multi-race sequences is i'm going to key the number four sassy and bold uh with the number 10 ruby foo and number 11 lilies for millie Good stuff. Uh, really appreciate you walking through that with me. I feel a lot more confident looking at it and, and using the tools going forward. For folks who maybe joined us partway through the live stream, tell them again, Tyler, where the best place is to sign up for a free ThoroughPace account. Yeah, so free account. You don't have to provide any credit card information or anything to that extent. And actually, once we get through our kind of beta launch where we have this free period, you'll maintain a free account and be able to get full access to our products on Monday and Tuesday cards. Um, you know, eventually at some point we will charge for the, the product. But the best way to get your free account is to go to inthemoneypodcast.com slash thoroughpace. Um, so, again, that's inthemoneypodcast.com slash thoroughpace. 
There you go. T H O R O P A C E. If you're, uh, if you're listening and don't have it right in front of you. Well, Tyler, we'll thank you one more time. We'll thank everybody, especially the folks who uh, joined us live for this sort of impromptu show. And uh, yeah, check us out in the money podcast.com. Uh, pleasure speaking to you, Tyler. I hope we get to do this again soon. Yep. Best of luck, everyone. Thank you. This show has been a production of in the money media. May you win all your photos. <laughs>